You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back. This is Jeanne-Marie Pennell, your host for The Art of Parenting, and today I have Megan Owens with us, and Megan also goes by Dr. Screen-Free Mom. And so I invited her on because I am passionate. If some of you have been following me, I am passionate about not exposing our children to our screens. They're for us adults. We're having a hard enough time managing it. So let's (laughs) keep it out of our children's hands for for a bit. And um, so Megan does a lot of work around this and will give us a lot of ideas on what we can do otherwise. So Megan, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Perfect. So I always like to start with asking you, um, what is your definition of the art of parenting? Oh, man, that's such a big question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, I, uh, before I became a parent, I did some other things like like all of us. (laughs) Um, And so I'm trained as a counseling psychologist. And we talk um, in counseling about the art of counseling. And I think the art of parenting is really similar. So in counseling, you have the science, the research, which is you know, what I'm embedded in as a university professor, um, of what techniques are you know, effective in treating certain issues in families and that sort of thing. And we have that same science background in parenting and child development. You know, what do we know about attachment? What do we know about screen time? Um, what do we know about positive discipline? Those sorts of things. And I think the art piece is how do you apply what you know in a unique relationship in between two ever-changing people? Um, you know, how do you make that work for your family so that you can respond appropriately to this little human in front of you who changes every day, every moment? Um, and you have to be sort of on your toes. And that's that's the same thing in counseling. So to me, that the art piece is that creative piece. How do you implement the science, the knowledge that you have? Perfect. I like that. I like that because it's true. We have, you know, we have the knowledge, we have the tools, but it doesn't always work with each of our <laughs> children or <laughs> or every day or, you know, different times of day. So it is, it is kind of a juggling act as well. When it works totally different with with the first kid and then the second kid comes along and throws you for a loop or or vice versa. 
exactly exactly and and the first one i mean you're you're in training with the first one that's that's how <laughs> i feel i mean i apologize to my daughter because it's like well i was just i was just learning how to be a parent you know the the second one i think has a little easier but but yes <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your work and how you got involved in in this work you know around screen free childhood and uh, I like it, I like it on your website you say sans screens that you're raising two children sans screens but I like that <laughs> terminology how how did you come about I mean what is was this your journey to to do the work that you're doing today yeah I think there's I sort of have two um, answers to that question and I'll kind of weave them both in because there's there's a personal journey there and then there's a, a professional journey there. So um, professionally, I was trained in and a lot of my early research was on goals. Um, so what sort of goals do people have and what activities do they engage in to reach those goals? Um, and we know that different types of goals are more effective than others. We know that different types of goals are more positively associated with a meaningful and purposeful life. Um, and so my work has applied what we know about goals to relationships, to uh, marriage relationships and to parenting relationships and specifically to parenting around screen time. Um, and I'll say more about that in a, in a second, but I'll, I'll also answer like the, the personal piece, which is that goes back to that science and art thing. My daughter was my first child. And so science-wise, at the time, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations were no screen time until two. So I was like, of course, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so for the most part, I did that. There were very few times when she needed um, she had some medical issues and she needed medication that had to dissolve in her mouth when she was, you know, from three months to nine months. And it took about a minute, which is a really long time for <laughs> an infant to hold something in their mouth. And when we couldn't do it, um, we turned, you know, like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, I think, on was was the first thing that we did. And it was it was like a magic button was pressed. I mean, she was totally transfixed at like four months, having no idea what that thing even was, and then didn't want us to turn it off after just a minute. Um, and so we only did that a few times to realize like, yeah, I don't like that effect on my kid. Like my kid turned away from my kid who is appropriately refusing to take a medication, um, you know, like a baby should to that doesn't taste particularly good to a kid that I could pretty much do whatever I wanted to as long as I kept that thing on. Um, and so we really had no screen time until she was two. And then we had this two-year-old and we're like, what is the difference in between her at 23 months and 30 days and 24 months and one day, you know, nothing. And if she's doing so well without screens, why? And I, and I still struggle with that why do I need to introduce them? And I haven't really gotten to a place where I felt really strongly like that there was a reason to make this a part of their daily lives. And how old are they now? My daughter is seven years and my son is five years. And they're, they're both uh, without screen still. Yes. Now I, I say without screens for entertainment. So in other words, like they don't have tablets. They don't play games on my phone. They don't watch um, 
you know, videos or cartoons or that sort of thing. Certainly we use a screen at home. Some people think, you know, that we're really like, they have never even seen one. They don't know what one is. They know that I check the weather on my phone or that um, we can play music using my phone to dance mm-hmm. to. Um, they know that we talk to others on the phone, that I can organize a play date for my seven-year-old by texting a mo- another mother or father. Um, you know, we've looked things up, like a Wikipedia page if we don't know something. And so they have, they have some awareness of that, but they can't use them yet independently. And we don't use them for entertainment. So yeah, in, the, they, in an average week, they have no, no screen time and they don't really feel like they're missing anything. Right. Right. And do you, like in your head, do you have a goal of how, you know, how long you want that to go on? Or, or do you do you see into the future as to, oh, this will be a time when they will need to have kind of an independent access to screen? So I like to follow the science. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already instituted the idea that, so we have something we call Friday Family Fun Night. We have this whole host of activities, this menu of activities that they can choose from, like going out to eat or going to the park together to celebrate the start of the weekend together. And one of those is a family movie night, but they don't choose it because they've had seven or five years, respectively, of doing all this other fun stuff. That to mm-hmm. them, the idea of staying home and watching a video doesn't sound fun. <laughs> like they're oh, used boring, to. right? <laughs> right. It sounds super boring to them. And yeah, that's the yeah. thing that if parents can, can hold off long enough, um, when their children are really young, they'll find that it is not as much of a challenge. And research even shows us that too, that the earlier it's introduced, the more strongly the children protest when limits are instituted at later ages. Um, now we do know for teenagers that there's sort of this, this Goldilocks thing going on where no screen time is not associated with, with great well-being, and over two hours is definitely not associated with great well-being. And so there's sort of this sweet spot of recreational screen time for teenagers, which makes sense because they're using it to interact with one another. Um, so we'll slowly start to introduce it that way and introduce it for research and homework and those sorts of things. But, um, they won't have unfettered access to whatever. <laughs> Good. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of what my question was leading to because you know more and more schools are kind of requiring you in in a way to have you know have a computer to be able to do some of the homework or uh, you know the research and everything. So that's why I was asking. But because for me personally, I'm you know I'm like the first 10 years, it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. Like there's no Mm -hmm. need for it. So I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit about what the science says as to why, you know, why it is beneficial to hold off exposing our children to screens. Yeah. And I agree with you with that 10 years. They're just... It's not necessarily that if you have a family movie, you know, when your your kids are seven or eight or nine, that that's going to be harmful, but there's not necessarily any reason to do it. Um, right. And so if you're choosing to avoid it prior to 10, your kids are going to be perfectly fine. Um, if you do a little hair in there, they'll be okay too. If in up to age five, you can have as close to none as possible, they'll be doing great. 
Um, so both the American Academy of Pediatrics and the World Health Organization say essentially none from zero to two, with the exception of some things that seem common sense, like video chatting with a grandparent right. or something of that nature. Right. Right. Um, from two to five, both organizations say no more than one hour, and that one hour is supposed to be co-viewed with a parent. The parent is sitting there moderating it. And quote, according to World Health Organization, less is better. Um, and so I always think when I look at those recommendations, like if I'm going to spend an hour with my kid, it's not going to be watching some stupid cartoon. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to, you know, yeah. if I have to be there anyways, we're going to read or we're going to go outside or we're going to play. Um, we're not going to going to do this thing that they don't need because you never get to a screen. Like if you, if you sit with a two or a three-year-old in front of you and you watch them, you never look at them and think what they need is a big animated box in front of them that forces them to sit still. You know, like you never get there. You only get there if you have the, yeah. You only get there if you see the big animated box or the, or the yeah. thing in your file, in your purse. And you're like, how do I make this work for this little person? So right. it's all top down when you're thinking about screens and little kids. Like if you watch a little kid, you think like, they need hugs, they need love, you know, they need play, they need running and jumping and reading. Like you can, all those things sort of come naturally, right? Right. Um, but I'm not answering your question. You asked about the science, which is I really like acronyms and I have them all over my website. And the one that I use for the science for um, parents for avoiding screen time, especially up to age five, is SWAT, the screen time. So for young kids, we see negative associations with sleep, with weight, with aggression, with attention, and with talking or language acquisition. Mm. And the research in those five key areas are really strong. The talking one is um, more and more research is coming out about that. Most recent studies showed that for each 30 minutes that an 18-month-old had with a handheld device, so, you know, mom or dad's phone, Mm -hmm. They had the greater the likelihood they had of being diagnosed with um, a language disorder, a speech disorder, or a, a um, speech delay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're not, they do not learn language from screens as much as educational YouTube videos would like you to believe that they do. Right, right. That, and that, that, I, that I remember seeing that research about, you know, how language is really acquired as a human interaction like it has to be another human interacting it's not a screen or an audio that's how you learn language at least those first six years so that's yep. fascinating yeah. yeah 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 and it's it's to be more specific it's each 30 minute increase was in, associated with a 49 percent increase in the likelihood of an expressive speech delay um oh. That's huge. And, you know, going back to my first reason is sleep. Like, if you have a kid under five, you're tired. <laughs> so you don't want them sleeping any less. Um, and the research on sleep is one of the strongest areas that there's, you know, well close to 100 studies now that shows that screen time is negatively associated with going to bed later, sleeping less overall, more sleep disruption overnight. Um and so it just seems obvious with this little person that you're teaching how to sleep and about rhythm and daily cycle that you wouldn't introduce something that would be counterproductive to that. Right, right. 
Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating how you know we 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 know so much about the ill effects and and like you're you know you're saying the science kind of you know tells us. Yet there is just this you know push to market you know even apps for for babies so so mm-hmm. that you you know you can't keep them entertained and such. So like, how, what do you you know what are your kind of your your maybe your words for parents to maybe shift that mindset in understanding that this is a choice that they get to make whether they put these you know uh, screens in their children's hands and to to because I just feel sometimes that they just need to be empowered to know that this is the right thing to do for their child Um, yet it is such you know it's so easy when you have a child that is um, just being a child, really, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> wanting to be entertained, wanting to be, have, you know, somebody pay attention that, that, you know, I see so often people just hand them their phone and that kind of just, you know, just tones them, turns them off basically. Uh, so, so like what is in your, you know, in all the research that you've done, like what is the, the, the mindset shift that we need to really, uh, give to parents so that they feel supported and and that they they can do this. I I get it with the parents handing the device over because like with that little anecdote I told about my daughter when yeah. she was an infant and she had that medication, it is so effective. Right. Um, but I think what I want parents to know is that the screens are actually creating a problem for you that only they can solve. Um, and so your children will become incredibly good at entertaining themselves by being exposed to having to do so in small doses, right? Mm-hmm. So every time you have to take a shower or you have to make dinner or you need to have a conversation over the phone, they have to do without, right? So they, they don't right. get your attention in the moment. and. Right. Over time, they get better and better at that. So initially, they, you know, you may find what they're doing annoying because they're saying, hey, I'm struggling with this and I don't know how to entertain myself. And you scaffold it and you provide boundaries. And in a screen-free kid, they get better and better better at that because they've been exposed to it incrementally over time. And then they can spend two hours at the age of four playing by themselves because they've learned how to do it. And a kid who every time they're exposed to a negative emotion, and here the negative emotion is basically boredom and what feels to a kid a little bit like rejection because mom or dad is doing something else and they're not paying attention to me, right? If every time they're exposed to those negative emotions, they're handed a screen, they have no idea how to tolerate them because the screen immediately takes it away. Um, And so then those are the parents who have a four, five, six-year-old and look at us and are like, what do you mean screen free? Like, there's no way I could do that. I would get nothing done. But the way, they've gotten to that point because the screen has created a child who cannot tolerate negative emotion or entertaining themselves because it's been given to them. And so then only the screen can solve the problem that the screen created. And so that's right. why 
they're so addictive. That's why it's such a huge industry. And that's why there's so many applications and games for babies because it's big money because they can quickly grab those eyeballs and make the kid and the parent believe that the only way to do anything is to have a screen. And it's just not true. Right. I mean, we, we, you know, we were raised without screens and, and mm-hmm. we, you know, and I think, and, and, and you bring up a really important point is this whole notion of boredom, you know, how, mm-hmm. how it's become as if, you know, that's, that's a bad thing. It's like, for me, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's when you, when children have nothing to do that they are inventive and that they they create their own you know activities and it's funny because when you said two hours for a four-year-old I could you know I can hear some listeners going what really (laughs) but I actually I actually really remember this with my four-year-old who's now 23 but we would come home from preschool and it would literally take her two hours to come inside the house because she was out in uh-huh. the garden, you know, talking to the snails, making mud pies, whatever she was. And it was just that was her way of, you know, grounding herself, cleaning the day away, whatever. But it uh-huh. just she took her time to come into the house. And, you know, personally, I made a commitment when I was uh, expecting her to, we actually got rid of our television. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and at the time there were, you know, I'm dating myself, but there were no iPhones and these smartphones and all of that. So it was really just right. the television. Um, and, uh, and, you know, with my husband, we just decided that we were just going to do away with it. And I honestly think it is the best thing that I did for, for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. myself included because we went out, we did things, we, we, you know, we talked, we played all of that, um, that I think the television would have taken that very valuable time away from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and of course, every kid is different and not every kid will do it for two hours. And we promote on our website, lots of ways that you can do that scaffolding thing when they Mm -hmm. haven't quite gotten there. Right. So, can you have a separate bin of toys set aside for when you need to take a phone call because you're working from home or when you need to take a shower? Or can there be, can you revamp the cabinet in the bathroom to include just a bunch of stuff that a, a 18 month to a 36 month old can get into um, when you are taking a shower and really enjoy themselves? And so that they, you're giving them this message, hey, I'm unavailable right now, or I am less available than I normally are. Um, but I believe that you can you can do something good with this time, and I and I trust you. And also, I respect that it might be hard to have me be unavailable. And so, here's the safe place with the safe stuff um, that I think might be interesting to you. And that's a really different message than saying I'm unavailable and you can't handle it. So here's this thing, and I yeah. will unplug you from this thing when I'm done, um, yeah. and then you can have my full attention again. And that's just that's just not the way the world works that that will always be entertained when somebody can't pay attention to us or when there's nothing interesting to do right and and I love the word trust that you used that you trust your child to be able to handle the situation which is they can if that's yeah if that's what they know they can so we're, we're you know we've been talking about kind of starting fresh you know making that commitment of not wanting screens not wanting to give screens to our children but Let's say that, uh, you know, we have 
listeners who are in a situation where they have been giving a screen and they're finding themselves in a situation where they know they need to to stop they need mm-hmm. to to curve that habit and i will actually give you a precise example i was giving a workshop the other night uh, a positive discipline workshop and i had a father asking me how to help his 4-year-old daughter come down to breakfast on her own so this is the habit that he's been get, getting into he picks her out up out of her bed and brings her down to the kitchen and puts her in front of a screen so that she will have breakfast and mm-hmm. he feels that if he takes the screen away he'll never be able to you know have her eat breakfast and so on and so forth mm-hmm. how would you advise you know a, a family like that who has gotten into this routine of kind of, you know, using the screen as that crutch, how do you go about taking it away? Do you do it, you know, cold turkey or do you do it sudden, you know, bit by bit? How how do you, what would you counsel on that? So I think you have the right as a parent to change your practices all the time. Thank God. <laughs> I that's do. The art, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the art yeah. piece to say like, hey, you know what? We were doing this thing, um, but it's really not working for these mm-hmm. reasons. And so we're going to try a new thing. Um, and it's going to be hard for both of us because we're we're making a change. And maybe sometimes that might feel unfair, but I've decided as as your mom or as your dad, that this isn't this isn't healthy for you. Because the goal is for you to be a big kid who comes down to breakfast and we sit and we talk um, and we eat breakfast. So I think one thing is to know that you can you can always change your rules. That's okay. And you explain that to them. And I don't do it about screen time because I've had these rules kind of set, but I do it about other stuff all the time, right? Like, you know, I noticed you went, we've been going trying to later bedtime and you're miserable all day long. So we're not going to do that anymore. Right. Or, or whatever it is. Um, so I think you can, you can change the rules all the time. Um, I think that you have to respect the challenge that might be there for the kid. So a four-year-old, if they've been using the screen for a long time, it's, it's quite a habit now and it's quite a crutch. And so breakfast isn't going to look like it used to with them sitting down. They're going to get up. They're going to not eat as much as they used to. It's like you're going back to teaching a two-year-old how to eat breakfast because they've missed the past two years of learning because they've been plugged in, right? Right. And so do this sort of mental adjustment in your mind of like, what would a two-year-old do? They would get up. They would fall off the chair. They would, you know, only eat half of it. They would make a mess. It would take a really long time, right? Like kids take a really long time because they get involved in things. And and how might I help a two-year-old eat breakfast? Um, maybe I might bring some books to the table or some topics of conversation I know they would like or some music. And so how can I sort of like wean them off this habit? Um, I, I think it depends on the kid, whether you go cold Turkey or whether you try to wean them off. I personally think that if, you know, it depends on the kid, it depends on the parent. I personally think that if I've decided something is not beneficial for my child, I'm not going to wean them off that thing. I'm going to stop that thing. Um, and I'm, but I am going to have, um, 
you know, really adjusted expectations and understanding of the emotions they might have about stopping whatever the said thing is in this case, right. screen time. Right. Um, right. So I'd be inclined to cut it off if I see it at a, at a time that's not working. And I think, you know, part of what I talk about on my website that I want parents and kids and families to get is that going back to goals, screen time has always been conceptualized as this avoidance goal. Like it's this bad thing and it's this thing we don't do and we avoid. And the thing is, goal science tells us that people are terrible at maintaining avoidance goals um, because it takes willpower and like humans just don't like that's why the diet industry is huge um we are we have a lot of challenges with avoidance goals and i think a, a parallel is happening with screen time because we have these avoidance limits you know one hour this age blah 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 um and people just do not follow them <laughs> as a whole um and i think it's kind of like a marketing problem in pediatrics and psychology. And so I think if you can switch that in your mind as a parent and then do it for your child too, as an approach goal, an approach goal is a positive goal. It's something that we're moving towards. So it's not about avoiding screen time, but it's about all these other things that we want to do that are really fun. Mm. Um, and so, you know, making a list with the kids of like, what would be really fun at the breakfast table? Or, you know, what would be really fun on Saturday mornings or wherever it is that you notice screen time is a problem um, can be helpful. And I have a system that I call the spoil system that we talk about on the website. We send out five activities twice a month um, that are related to that. And that's an acronym for those activities of childhood that if you start with that three-year-old, you will get to because these are the things that we've known from research and theory for decades that are really good for young children. Um, and screen time is really edging them out. And the cool thing about the spoil activities is that they um, counteract all the negative effects of screen time. So if you try to prioritize those in your kid's day, not only is it fun and is it something positive that you can move towards, um, but it's going to counteract some of those problems with sleep or with attention or with language acquisition. Mm -hmm. And and they're really common sense. And, and can you uh, explain a little bit what this acronym stands for, the SPOIL acronym that you just yes. mentioned? Yes, definitely. And I know people think spoil is a bad thing to do to kids, but we're trying to sort of reclaim it and say, right. instead of spoiling them with screen time, let's spoil them with the things they really need. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the original um, acronym I had was broil. So I'm very happy that I'm not suggesting to parents that they broil <laughs> their children. And I was able to come up with spoil. But um, so these are the things that like parents without screens have done for years. So S stands for social kid needs time every day connected one-on-one -on -one with you, doing something they like, talking, spending time with peers. That's how they learn. Um, P stands for free play. They need big uninterrupted chunks of time, like what you gave your daughter, to play in a way that is fun for them. That's how we know executive functioning skills develop planning, problem solving, they take on roles, they make their own rules, they have elaborate pretend play games. Um, o in SPOIL stands for outdoor activities, and outdoor really is the antidote to screen time. We see negative effects for screen time on eyes, on sleep, on weight because they're not moving. 
outdoor time, kids are moving, they're being exposed to natural light. Um, when they're moving and getting fresh air, they sleep easier. Um, so outdoor activity is something that, unfortunately, there's a research study recently that showed only 50% of the parents surveyed said that their preschooler spent time outside every day. Um, so it's just, it's so they're not spending two hours like your daughter was in the garden. Um, and it's incredibly helpful for behavior management too, to just take your kids outside. There's less rules outside. Um, the I stands for independent work. And I'm so happy to be talking to somebody with a Montessori background because um, <laughs> some people hear independent work and they think like work, kids, no, those two things don't mix. Um, yes, they do. <laughs> but they, but they really do. Yes, and kids yes. want to do work. They want to feel a sense of accomplishment. Yes. Um, and so work could be household chores. Work can be any activity that has this sort of predefined end goal like it does in a Montessori job, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Eric Erickson from almost 100 years ago knew this when he talked about child development. And he said, you know, what they're working on is a sense of industry versus inferiority. Like it was all about, um, can I accomplish things? Can I do things by myself? And we really don't let kids do a whole lot of work, independent work anymore. They're doing chores at a much lower rate than the generation previous to them. Um, so independent work is the I, and then L is for literacy-based activities. So anything where you're reading to your kid, your kid is paging through and pretending to read or actually reading a book, they're listening to an audio book, they're pretending to write and make a grocery store list, or they're actually writing in a journal as they get a little bit older. Um, and so that gives parents what I think um, in terms of like Stephen Covey's and the seven habits of highly effective people, he talks about putting the big rocks in first. Like you want to put all those things in the jar of the day before you even think about screen time. Um, and I think if you do, you'll find that over time they can spend two hours in the garden like your daughter or an hour and a half creating a fort in the living room out of blankets and pillows. And you realize, hey, it's five o'clock and we haven't turned a screen on, right? Um, and we don't really need it. Um, because if you put those things in first, it's a really different structure to your kid's day than starting it out with screen time. It's beautiful. And, and, and all of those are just so easy. They're accessible. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't take anything to, to socialize, to play, to go outside, all of that. So, um, yeah, that's beautiful. And, and I, and I love that because on your website it's, it's, or, I don't know. I saw it on one of your Facebook posts is have you spoiled your child today? And it's, <laughs> true. it's like, yes, you know, to, 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 to think of it that way is, is, is great. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it okay. gives you like, you know, we have a website called screen free parenting. So now in a sense, I, I have this online identity about this thing that I actually don't do which is very weird. Um, so spoil gives you something to move towards. It's not like I'm limiting screen time. It's I, I'm doing these things that right. are enjoyable for me and my kid. Right. Right. And it's what you were saying about that avoidance goal. This is mm -hmm. a goal of, of being able to do those things as opposed to just not doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I just, I do have one kind of one last question on, on this whole screen idea is, um, and this comes back again to, to maybe a little bit personal for me, 
when, you know, so with my first one, I had decided no television. Uh, with my second one, I had just made a commitment that I was not spending any money on any video games, any of, you know, the, the latest, mm-hmm. greatest uh, kind of video interaction. And I do remember, you know, my son at, at some point, and, and he must have been older, you know, maybe 10 or so saying, you know, all my friends have these and I don't. So, you know, I gave him my personal explanation as to why. How do you counsel or, or you know, help parents kind of navigate that too? Because I think, you know, among parents, we we unfortunately do judge each other and we, <laughs> oh, what? You don't, you don't watch this? Or, you know, I guess the, my question is, how do you help parents kind of navigate the choices that they have made, the personal choices that they have made for, you know, a screen-free parenting when society, when the culture around us is so much into screens and media and all of that? Yeah. Um, And we have an article on our website about just about every question about screens. So we try to summarize, in addition to promoting spoil activities, we, I'm always reading the most updated research studies on screen time. And so we summarize those. And then these sort of common questions that we get from parents and teachers and caregivers. Um, And so I think we have an article called How My Kids Keep Up With the Screen Lovin' Joneses or something like that. So um, I think one, there's going to always be things that other families do that you don't do. Um, And you have to have some confidence and ownership in your parenting choices. So um, we've already talked to our kids a little bit about that. And we try to avoid anything like, you know, screens are bad or like explaining to them the research about screens and language acquisition would be totally not, not relevant to them. But we talk to them about it sort of in the context of the spoil system. Like these are the things we value as a family. We love going for hikes and we love reading for an hour, you know, really cool chapter books together at night right now. Like that's one of my favorite times of the day. Um, and we love playing together and we play board games and we have a family game night. So we value those things more than watching TV or playing games. Um and so we just don't have a lot of time for that. That's Perfect. one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is helpful with the kid conversation. And our kids, again, like they, it's an option now at their age and they never choose it because they see we're really, we have a lot of fun with our kids and, and they would rather play ghosts in the graveyard at the park than mm-hmm. watch something on mm-hmm. TV with us. Um, I think that I understand the desire to have your child be able to engage in conversations that a whole group of kids is engaging in. So for little kids, um, with my kids, we always read books about whatever was the TV show. So, you know, whatever was the TV show that they were talking about in school, we could get books about that at the library. They're like, yeah, okay, we know who Cinderella is. We know who, you know, the backyardigans are, whatever that is. And Kids usually say something along the lines if they've been watching a lot of screens, like, do you want to play backyard again? And my kids are like, what are you talking about? And then we read a book. They're like, yes, we'll play backyard again. And it quickly turns into chase, right? Or something like that. You know, it's it's not really playing that game at all. Um, I think for older kids, there's certain things that like 
based on research and personal belief, I'll never let my kids do. Um, you know, we're never going to play violent video games. That's never going to happen in my house. Um, and so I could imagine that could be a conversation around values um, and why I have a really strong rule about that. And I feel really confident about that. There's some other things that maybe I would be more willing to be flexible about, right? So if I have an older child um, and everybody has seen a particular movie and I pre-screen it, and I don't love some parts about it, but I feel like there's there's things that I can talk with my daughter or son about it in terms of moderating the content, then I might be willing to do that and say, you know, I don't love this movie and here's some problem. What do you think about this scene? Or why do you think about how they show girls doing this? Or, you know, so I think it kind of depends on how hard of a line you want to take on the issue. But I also think that you should be confident as a parent if your choices are coming from a place of research and love um, that it's okay to not do things the way everybody else is doing them. Yeah, I love that. And, 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 you know, actually, the fact that you brought up this notion of values, like this is your home, this is your family, you get Mm -hmm. to, you get to structure it the way you want to, you know, for for me, the example I gave you was because I would much rather, uh, you know, spend my money on travel, like my children mm-hmm. have traveled the world and you know that's where that's my priority so it's just it's just you know like you say be confident with what you choose for your family and there's something world. about screen time and I don't know if it's because they're marketing it so well to us to make us believe that we can't have a fulfilling life or our children can't without you know 10 screens pointing at us all the time but where parents feel really confident in being like you know, we have a value around the way we treat other people, or we have a value around money, and they feel confident in that. But the screen time issues, parents really feel the push of the broader culture of wanting to let their kid um, be a part of it. And we don't, I think parents are so much more confident in other things. And I would, I I don't, haven't really figured out why that is. Um, but I would encourage them that screen time is like any other value and you, you can have a, a strong rule that's not the same as everybody else's. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, so we, we've, we're kind of running out of time and I just mm-hmm. always like to, to kind of conclude with a more personal question. And that is, you mentioned that your eldest was seven. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go back eight years Um, ago when you were expecting your daughter what wise words would you tell yourself uh, knowing all that you know today Hmm, I don't know that I know that much today Um, but (laughs) (laughs) I would I would say have fun Um, you know it's not she's not an an experiment or something that you're going to do right or wrong she's a person who's really cool Um, and so just Bring yourself into parenting and have fun. Find the things you like to do with her and do more of them. That's beautiful. Having fun, which is so, so important because I think we we make parenting out to be much harder than it needs to be. So thank you. Yeah, and, and at its base, it's it is fun. I would it I is. love spending time with my kids. It is. It is. And um, as we come to a close, is there just one last takeaway that you want our listeners to remember from this conversation? Sure. I will end with the acronyms. So if you like what you heard, SWAT the screen time, 
try and spoil your kids every day. Um, and if you want to learn more about screen time and see fun, inspiring ways to have fun with your kids without screens, come check us out at screenfreeparenting.com. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll have all of those uh, links below in the show notes. So Megan, thank you so much for making the time and sharing your, you know, all of this science and your research and just how it is. It, it's also very personal. So really, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time. <laughs>